Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Dan Dembski, who is the co-founder of Unbound Merino, which is an e-commerce brand that sells premium merino wool clothing and actually got started through crowdfunding, raising $380,000 in their first two months. And now three years after getting started, they're actually doing more than $4 million in revenue. You can learn more about Unbound Merino at unboundmerino.com. And as always, the show notes for this episode are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Please support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And finally, my newsletter, The Weekly Grind, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter, and that includes tips, tools, strategies for growing a business and even just living better. Without further ado, here is Dan Dembski, the co-founder of Unbound Merino. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Good, man. Glad to have you on here uh, amongst the crazy times. There's 2020, as we discussed before the, before getting on here. But uh, with with your company, so with Unbound Marino, like, how did that even get started in the first place? Well, you know, I had I, I never had, went and had a career where I worked for someone. I sort of just got thrown into this entrepreneurship thing right out of school. Uh, and I created a, my first business I created with my best bud. It was a video production agency. And we grew really fast and then we were on top of the world, loving life. But after many years, the the fun sort of stopped and I was looking to create a new business, one that didn't require me being in boardrooms, pitching all the time, one that didn't require uh, such big client relationships where they were worth so much to us that we had to bend over backwards for them. I, I just wanted to do something different and it... I, I, all I knew was we wanted to create a product business and we wanted to sell this product online. And then I'm not joking. This is literally years. The process <laughs> of every couple of weeks, we would go to a whiteboard and just shoot ideas on the wall. And some of them were maybe good ideas that we just didn't run with. Some were terrible ideas, but it wasn't until the idea to create the unbound Marino idea came to me when I saw the hole in the market, like I, there was a product that I wish existed. I discovered Merino wool, but it was all made for outdoors wear and for active wear. And the problem with that is it looked the part. So I was yeah. looking for a way to travel light um, and just have a carry on when I traveled. And I read a Reddit post where someone said, I use Merino wool t-shirts because they're antibacterial and odor resistant. So if you wear them a couple times in a row, even if you sweat through them, they'll never smell. They won't retain any of the bacteria. So I pack two or three t-shirts for a three, four week trip. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm like, perfect. So I went on this pursuit to find it and everything looked like something you'd go jogging in, not something you'd wear out to a cocktail bar. And I searched far and wide and I had this aha moment where I thought of my friends who have created very successful e-commerce businesses. The pattern I saw was they saw that what they wanted didn't exist. So they're like, I can make this, I can do this better than someone else is doing it. And I thought, if I want this and I can't find it, this is it. This is the idea. <laughs> it fits all the boxes. The problem is, is I had no money to start this business. Um, my other business was kind of like really stagnant. My, uh, my salary, I, I lowered significantly Our you know, once growing business was not looking so great. I didn't have the extra capital. So we decided to do a crowdfunding campaign to validate the idea, to see if people wanted to buy this product that we thought would be so great, but also, um, to get the capital to start it. And that was successful. And from there, we've just been growing since all the way That's up awesome. to coronavirus. <laughs> coronavirus, which has stopped many, many things. Um, we're going to get into all of that. Where would I go back for a second, though? You said you were kind of looking at all these ideas. Some were terrible. Some were good. Like, how are you evaluating like how good the ideas were back then before you started on Bomberino? A lot of intuition. Um, some things I thought would be cool for me, but maybe people wouldn't care about this. Um, looking at, you know, the, we even started one company. I, I didn't mention this. Like, we... I started a sock company and it was a, I actually looked back at it. I really liked doing that. And I thought it was cool. It was socks designed by street artists. And we oh, wow. found all these local street artists here in Toronto that like, I really love the street art. 
in the street artists here in the city. And we had them design the socks and for every sock that sold to theirs, they'd get cut in. So it was like supporting artists. Plus it's like really cool art that you can get uh, introduced to through socks. Super fun. The problem is, is we started that company when funky socks were becoming a big thing in a lot of cities. And yeah. that's not the right time to start a business. If it's becoming popular, you're already too late. So um, we started that. So there was like timing things. We're also, you know, I was reading a lot of articles articles on how do you decide on what's a good product to launch and we were looking for something that was maybe a little bit more expensive because if you sell something cheap you have to really run a massive volume for it to ever be a sustainable business yep uh, merino wool was a pre it's a premium material and it's a more expensive product so it's, it's sort of like from all that i learned it's checked all these boxes but what it really came down to was me feeling there was a hole in the market that we could fill like, like the fact that I wanted it. And I, this is truly my thinking. My thinking was if we launch this crowdfunding campaign and it fails, we'll have ordered a bunch of prototypes. We'll have a bunch of samples. And at the very, at the very worst, I'll have scratched the itch to know if it, you know, I did my best and it didn't work. So what the market didn't won't bear this idea. That's fine. But I'll be leaving with the shirts that I wanted anyway. I actually yeah. Like, I will make these shirts and at least I'll have these t-shirts. I just wanted the t-shirts. So I felt like that was a good <laughs> That's amazing. And that's something I've always kind of heard from, uh, I think Tim Ferriss for the first time is saying like, if you can do a venture, a business, uh, any, any type of anything that you can have multiple effects, even if it quote unquote fails, you'll still get something out of it. Then it's kind of worth doing. So it seems like that was kind of the case with you. Even if it failed, you'd still have the shirts and have what you actually wanted and be able to, to see if this idea was, was worth it or not. And right. with the crowdfunding aspect as well, like you decided to go crowdfunding. It just did amazing. But what was the prep with that, the research into the crowdfunding and how did you make it a success? Okay. Well, you know, for starters, we didn't even know how to make clothing, right? So there's a bunch of things <laughs> we have to figure out in this, in this. I think crowdfunding is one of the greatest ways that you can start a business for so many reasons. And it's not just the fact that you're pre getting pre-orders that will give you the capital to start the business. You have to think of all of the aspects of delivering a product that you might not think of just on the surface. Like uh, we, you, first of all, you have to get a brand together. So we went through many different brand visions, brand names, you know, and then when you do that, you'll want to do your trademark registration. Aside from that, you have to go and get the product prototypes manufacturing you have to figure that out like how we didn't know i've never sourced product before so it was a first for us uh we had to figure that out be able to understand with with comfort how we would be able to build that relationship you have to piece it all together in your crowdfunding campaign figure out how you're gonna fulfill all these orders what right. are you gonna have the website all of this stuff has to come together and it the end result is this one pretty package that is your crowdfunding campaign just like anything, like you have to read everything available and then figure <laughs> out like what you could piece together that will work for you. So there was Tim Ferriss had an amazing post on crowdfunding. That was one I remember. I read yep. every Reddit post I could find on crowdfunding. I talked. I have a few friends that have run successful crowdfunding campaigns. I sat on the phone with them and I just opened myself up and was as vulnerable to them about how little I knew and you know, <laughs> putting my best ideas forward and having them just, you know, shoot them right down saying they don't like this. And I, you know, they were usually right. Sometimes I would disagree and push back, but it's exposing myself to as much information as possible while figuring out how I'm actually going to manufacture our prototypes, how I'm going to get this brand together. And um, yeah, you sort of just, at the end of the day, you just take all the pieces that make sense to you and you piece them together. And one thing we definitely did is look at successful crowdfunding campaigns that came before us and ripped off every little good piece. You know, like we like the way that they introed their video on this campaign and we like the stages of the production timeline on this campaign, the way it looks aesthetically. And we like the graph from this. So just rip off and duplicate everything piece it together in your own thing because all that stuff worked for a reason so there's the tactical stuff like that but at the end of the day what really matters is can you 
convince the person that's on your crowdfunding page that whatever you're selling has a benefit to them. So we really yeah. try to make that the overarching thinking. Like it's not about how awesome our fabric is or how innovative our thinking is or how cool our brand is. They do not care about us. People that are shopping for themselves care about themselves. In fact, most people just care about themselves, period. Even if they care about other people, it's because they care about themselves. So, you know, there's a there's a selfish <laughs> nature to everyone. And yeah. the product that we're selling has a real tangible benefit to them. So that was the overarching theme. Let's piece something together that communicates how this is going to benefit that customer. And that's all we're going to talk about. We're going to keep the most you you will travel way later. You'll breeze past the luggage carousel. You'll never have to check bags. You'll never get your bags lost. Like all this stuff, because our product is a truck, position is a travel product. We're just yeah. talking about them, and that was what all of the all of the stuff before it like was distilled to. Was all of the product source and everything was talking to the customer. This is about you and how you're going to benefit, and it came together. Yeah, that's amazing, Dan. And one thing I want to go back to too. So, what's there's there's two things here, really. There's like there's the actual crowdfunding campaign with the video, the copy, and that and everything. But then it, there's the actual product itself. I mean, what was the timing on both of those? Like, how far along were you on like the product sourcing and all of that before launching the campaign? And obviously, you can have a campaign up for you know however amount of time I think you want, or there's maybe certain limits around that. But how did you kind of manage the two things and the timing between those two? Well. You know, we we didn't know at the beginning how long the whole thing would take. Um, yeah. We, all we knew was that we just needed to have the comfort that our campaign was good. So the comfort that our campaign was good would require the brand name, would require the video being done, all of the design assets. And then the other thing that we were really, really hell-bent on was having prototypes that were the as good as the finished product and yeah. showing the customer that we had that finished because, because a lot of people are reluctant. So we did to buy, they're reluctant to buy things because they think it's fake. They think it's like a scam or something. So we, we had pictures of our manufacturer, all that stuff. Um, we didn't know how long it would take or when we'd be ready. What we did is every week we'd meet up and we have you, we all, had another, we had another business and my, one of my partners was a full-time working on that agency and he has two kids and a mortgage. So we'd only be able to meet Fridays at 8 PM when he put his kids to bed. And we did that <laughs> every day, every week for a year and a half. And wow. it wasn't until almost a year in where we started to be able to envision when we could launch it. We just, every week we do the work that we could do that week together. And we'd do assign a little bit of homework if we had time to do it that we bring back the next week and we assign the work that we do the following week. And we did that every Friday night from 8 PM until we tapped out or we had too much whiskey to be productive. <laughs> and it, it took us a year and a half, but it, it, to answer your question of like, how did we know when to launch? We didn't, we just took it week by week until if it, it sort of like pieced itself together. Yeah. And obviously there's no right answer. So you know, you're just trying to figure everything out with that. And there's no there's no set plan necessarily. And with that launch, I mean, you said you wanted to do that crowdfunding to kind of test the idea, see, you know, what is this valid or not, which is what you know any business really should do and try to validate their idea. What were you what was like the minimum you wanted from from that crowdfunding campaign that you'd say, okay, let's move forward even more with this? So what we really wanted was seventy thousand dollars. Um but we said in our crowdfunding campaign, we wanted 30, I think. And the reason we said we wanted 30 was because we'd be able to get to 100% of our funding goal faster. Actually, there's more yep. to it than that. We had a deal with Indiegogo, which is the platform we use, that if we were to get 30% of our funding goal within the first 48 hours, they feature us in their marketing newsletters. So oh, wow. we said, okay, well, our funding goal is $70,000. Why don't we just make it 30,000? Because then we'll get, then if we get 10,000 of that, we're going to get all this great marketing that, that's committed by contract. So we took the risk. Really, if we didn't get $70,000, we wouldn't actually have been able to, to launch this thing. So we would have had to yeah. refund people their money. But we took a risk. Um, and this is, it was the right choice because people, you know, if, you, if people are going to back a crowdfunding campaign, they, they're going to 
and they see it's only like 20% funded, they might think, I don't know if this is, if I'm into this, but if they see it's already like 200% funded, they're like, this is a hot product. I want to get into it. So we wanted seven, we figured out $70,000 what we wanted. We said we needed 30, but 70,000 was to cover all of our in minimum order quantity inventory, but also to give us funds to go and visit our manufacturers and oversee production to make sure there was quality to um, be able to have cash to handle the fulfillment that would come after. So we sort of mapped it all out and that was $70,000. That's awesome. And then tell us how the actual campaign went. I think it ended at 350,000 or something, maybe. And then it went up to like 400,000. So. So, you know, so like having that paper, it was over a thousand percent of our funding goal, but in reality, it was like, you know, triple or, that, uh, yeah, that's crazy. And I, I mean, take us through that. So like you have this fundraising campaign that just goes gangbusters and crushes it. Are, I mean, are you me like, all right. So like, what were you thinking at that time? And like, what was next then? Well, you know, I was, I, I felt like it was going to happen. I really believed that we were going to be able to get around what we got you know i thought i thought we're gonna do 200 plus thousand maybe we can even do as much as a million and i was you know even my business partners are like who knows maybe we'll get nothing but i was always like we're gonna do it and i was just choosing to just believe and just (laughs) have that mindset and maybe that was my my uh, mechanism for staying motivated and staying motivating to that um but when that happened I felt really good. I felt validated, but I also felt like our work is not done here. First of all, we need to go produce these things. And I was very scared of maybe not the the production being botched and us delivering bad product. And that could be game over. I was afraid that maybe we had a kickstart here uh, to, to get this business started. But I tell people are going to our own actual website and buying off us. We don't have a business. We just have a start. So yeah. I was trying not to get all, you know, I wasn't popping champagne and thinking we were <laughs> like killing it. I was thinking we are lucky. We did this. Now let's make this a reality. And I, I told you I was in another company at the time. It was my own company with my business partner. And I, and I, I left the company. I didn't sell. I didn't, I, I, I said, I'm going to go and do this. And I walked away and I started working full time to make this thing happen. I stopped paying myself. I had some savings, which vaporized as I sustained my life to be able to work for no money, to get this from being a, something that we started as an Indiegogo campaign to something that would be a real viable e-commerce business. Um, it took a while until I started paying myself a salary again because all the money had to go back into the business at first. Um, but we were selling right away. Like, I mean, before we even announced that our website was live, we went into Shopify, which is our platform, to fix a few things, like add a couple photos. And our website was out for like a few days. And we had a bunch of orders sitting there. I had, we didn't even announce our website anywhere, but people were looking <laughs> for us from the crowdfunding. So I'm like, that's when the moment where I'm like, we actually have something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I we weren't celebrating any success from the campaign we were just proud that we did it and ready for the next thing yeah and then at that time so you you have the the campaign actually finish and then who is who's in the business in terms of working in the business and like who's doing what at that time then well i have two business partners and they're my best friends and one of them is uh he's like a jack of all trades he could do anything from you know, he can learn what he's not a good web coder, but he can do it. He can do video editing. He can do, he now is a master of Facebook ads. So he was kind of the, my right-hand man. I was the full-time guy doing everything. So it started, I was in the warehouse. We hired a warehouse guy shipping the orders. Now our warehouse was a, a, a tiny storage locker near my place, literally a storage locker that was like five feet by 10 feet. That's where we started. And, <laughs> We'd cram in there and we'd pack boxes all day. You know, we grossly underestimated how much work that would be to fulfill the 2,000 orders that we got from crowdfunding. Um, it took us forever. And then, so there was that and managing all of the complaints that were coming in because fulfilling the orders were taking longer than they should have. And people said, I knew this was a scam. Even though it wasn't a scam, their order was just coming out, you know, next week. Yeah. Uh, 
So customer service was like overwhelmed. So I was doing the customer service, um, trying to come up with what our goals are going to be. So we are starting to sort of envision like, where do we take it from here? Then I had Andrew, who's my, one of my business partners, and he was working like 50 to 60, 70% of his time on the business and doing some freelance work on the side. And, you know, he was just with me. We we're just tackling anything we could at the time. And Dima came in a little bit later because he was, you know, he was, was a creative director at an ad agency making really good money. And he had, you know, a house and kids and stuff like that. So he wasn't able to jump in for no money right away. So he was helping us two days a week before work started. We'd meet at seven in the morning, but he was there for like executing on specific tasks. But me and Andrew were at the helm to start. Dima came in and then now it's at the point where we're still on the, in this growth phase because we've only been doing this since 2016 where every single quarter we meet up and we completely realign on what each of us is really responsible for doing. So it goes all over the place, but we're all at this table now really, really dry. I mean, we're the leadership and the, and the strategy of the company is what we do all together. But what we do best as a team is really the marketing. Um, we've hired people to help us with, um, product development. Like there's things that we're just not going to ever be the best at. Like we're, we're not the best clothing makers, but we really put together amazing prototypes on our own at first, but that wasn't sustainable. Now we ha have incredible product de developers on our team. What we're good at is marketing. We've always been doing it. Um, we, we're, we, we speak the language. We're just kind of. It's, it's our zone. So we're a good marketing company. We care about brand. We care about product. And every quarter, what we do changes and changes quite drastically. Yeah. And one of the things with that that I want to go through, uh, just on the product side, with that initial kind of crowdfunding campaign, like what was the actual product and how has that evolved in terms of your product offering since? Well, we started with t-shirts in two colors, with v-neck and crew-neck t-shirts in black and gray. And we okay. had boxer briefs and socks and the t-shirt is our is our core product so it's still our core product but over time like we i think we have i think we have the best t-shirt literally that you can buy that money can buy it's expensive but from a material standpoint from from a construction standpoint like every detail is so meticulously thought through and that yeah. we iterated on it 12 times so i think our t-shirt the first version was awesome, but every single time we ordered, we're slowly iterating. Now, if you look at our t-shirt today, it's not that different. Like if you, if I walked into a room wearing our black t-shirt and then I walked out and I quickly changed it to another one and it was our first version and our most recent, you might not notice the difference, but you might feel it if you're wearing it. We're making these iterative changes to make it fit better, to improve the, the material, like like make it slightly lighter or slightly heavier. We tinkered with because to have a different like hand feel, a different drape on your body. Um, we're working with people who've worked with some of the best brands in the world for product development. So like we have, we're able to go pretty deep into what these, pretty deep into small changes. And that's still our core product. Since then we've launched a lot more products, a lot more colors, uh, a hooded sweatshirt, button down shirts, uh, sweatshirts, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, so we, our product line has expanded, but our core product is still that T-shirt, and our best-selling product is a black crew neck T-shirt. The same product we launched with. That's awesome. I mean, it's a, it's a staple. If people love it and they keep coming back to it, it's that, that's that's perfect. And then, and it's, and you know what? It's never going to go anywhere. People are always going to wear a black T-shirt. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's like my go-to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like a staple of, of many people's wardrobes. Yeah. And with the mar marketing side, you said you have that experience and that's what you guys do really well. I mean, how are you then acquiring new customers? Like what's working well for you guys? We discovered early on Facebook ads and the power of Facebook ads. And we've been amazing at them. Like we we do it all ourselves. I don't mean to say we're, oh, we're so good, we're amazing. It's just been such a, a fun ride for us to have figured that out, to have made mistakes, to have made little triumphs and we focus a ton of our energy there um, slowly building out and get building up our SEO over time. Um, but the biggest driver of 
new customers to us has been word of mouth. And I think that's so, so we're good at, I say what we really focus on. I said before, what we really focus on is product um, and marketing, like brand and marketing. Like we're really focused on making sure like that product is as good as it could be. Like we don't skip on anything to make it the best t-shirt that money can buy. So that is marketing in, in within itself, because when people go and they buy a shirt, they say, this is just my shirt. This is my go-to. Uh, they talk about it. They're proud of it. Like they're, they found the best shirt. So that's worked for us. Um, but when we're just completely cold acquiring a, a new customer, telling them about trying to get them to figure out who we are for the first time, Facebook ads has been our go-to and that's a, I mean, it's so powerful, but it's uh, it's not for the faint of heart because it's a you could have you could be crushing it with Facebook ads, crushing week after week after week, scaling your budget, and while you're scaling your budget, the return on ad spend is getting better and better and better, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna, we're gonna, this is insane, and then literally in one day they could all go to complete shit, completely. Yeah. And you have to be, you can't let that rest. We are looking at them every day throughout the day and you have to catch those drop-off moments, scale your budgets accordingly, put in new testing. And I mean, right now we're going through this like in the worst we've ever, the worst way we've ever experienced because we're a brand that has positioned t-shirts as being travel clothing. Um, <laughs> It couldn't be a worse message for right now. Yeah. In fact, it's insulting because people, they, they, they see our ads and they're like, who the hell is traveling? Are you guys, are you guys morons? We had to like, you know, we, our best performing ads are being ridiculed. So we had to shut them all down. Now our website is positioned. So right now we're in this transition where we're temporarily or permanently departing from that messaging and yeah. years of ads that we've refined to like this whole funnel of ads is just, they're all useless. So um, that could happen because of a, a, a crazy pandemic like coronavirus, but that can happen on Facebook because of anything. So you have to be willing to be in there. So um, we were just rely on the product and we rely on staying in, like just in the game with Facebook ads and trying new things and yeah. Yeah, and there's so much you can do with that. And I've, I used to run ads for uh, an e-commerce company called Clark Toys before I started business school. And yeah, you're just always in there testing and trying different things out and different creatives and everything. And and now the company I just actually just joined, Coefficient Labs, like they're doing weekly tests with clients and you know always adjusting things, always testing different stuff to optimize because, like you said, like things change so quickly. You have coronavirus changes everything. Your messaging yeah. may not hit anymore, and you have to really be kind of in the weeds with that if you want the best results possible. And it takes a lot of effort obviously but it's it's worth it clearly <laughs> yeah yeah happen. and it's fun you get a you just get a, it's kind of like day trading you know i don't do yeah, it I don't exactly do trading myself but you know i just like love the intensity of it and i even when it's not going well it's just like it's just fun to like try to like roll up your sleeves and turn it around and oh yeah know, to I, like I, try I to optimize it group of people i reach out to and i i say how are your ads doing this they're taking and like good then you can sort of see patterns if it's like the whole algorithm facebook is taking and like i don't know the whole thing is just fun yeah it, it is and i remember doing that before and it was kind of fun just like play around with it and like always just like oh what can i do here and like, there's different types and there's messenger ads and then it's to cross platforms with both of them and there's different platforms with with even yeah. snapchat and other stuff it's it's just crazy world but it's it's kind of fun to operate in too yeah sometimes you're shooting nothing but net and it feels <laughs> yes exactly you can't get and- too excited because right around the corner you know? yeah exactly and then on kind of on that note then too i mean like how do you look at competition like how do you how do you weigh in competition with what you're doing uh i'm just curious on how you look at that in general um you know i've never been one to like really dwell on competition i i there there are competitors and of different sizes i mean some are there's a couple that make marina wool that are massive you know huge huge companies and those are the ones i don't really personally not that they're bad they make really good stuff but they were the, the, it was the clothing I bought that made me want to start this company because it was just different from what I wanted. There are companies that came in after us that are like actually just copying our messaging. And yeah. I don't even care at all. Like I, I've, I've been 
in business long enough. And I think that we have good ideas that when you, when people blatantly copy your ideas, it's, it's just, you know, they say it's the flattery or, or imitation is the highest form of flattery. It, it's really true. It's not just flattery. It, it's kind of like a reminder that I like, I have good ideas. My business partners have good ideas that good enough that people are copying them. And there's no shortage of ideas. Ideas are only worth as much as your execution is. Yeah. How much execution you're able to put into it. So um, I, I find if I pay attention to, to competition too much, it starts to take over your thinking. So we look at competition. There's a, a couple brands, and some of them are not really competitors, not in the same sort of space, but they're clothing brands. But the, we look for the ones we like. And we look for the ones that we like so that we could find areas where we're a little, we're falling short a little bit. So it could be just their packaging. It could be their brand. It could be the fit of their uh, socks or the look of their, it could be anything, but we're not trying to copy. We're just trying to see what's good out there and be really, you know, I don't only wear unbound Merino. I I found a lot of brands that I will wear. Um, and I hope one day that we can make something even better. And it, it, we're just trying to make all of our own essentials. But the more I'm immersed with what's really good out there, the more I have perspective on what good production and good branding and good marketing and good packaging and all that stuff is. So I look to competition for inspiration and I think there's a lot of room in the market for many different companies. I never have the thought that we'll crush our enemies and like, we want to be <laughs> better or bigger than them. I, you know, I, sometimes I like think, man, this, this guy is a direct competitor and I just really would love to go for a beer with him. Like I, I, and I, I've even like thought of like emailing, but maybe it's weird. Maybe it's in a, maybe I don't need to, but I just, yeah, I, I don't consume myself with worrying about competition or pinning myself up against them. It I find it to be inspiring, and then we can just focus on our own creative ideas and our own path, and that's worked well for us. Yeah, uh, totally. And and one more thing, kind of sort of related to competition, but in, in terms of like pricing strategy, pricing is a huge part of a business. You mentioned before, like you wanted to make kind of the best shirts and go premium and not go a lower price item, even when thinking about. The business you wanted to start like how does pricing how do you think about pricing for your for your business that's a good question um when we first priced out what our our, our products we did look at other websites and other stores that were selling marina wool and then selling luxury you know i guess more like luxury brand t-shirts like they're a little yeah. on the more expensive side and we were for I don't remember clearly what the logic was, but we were trying not trying to be the cheapest. We definitely didn't want to be the cheapest. <laughs> we definitely yeah. didn't want to be the most expensive. We were kind of looking for that mushy middle. We felt like it was the, the safe place to be. So and because we're a direct consumer brand, that's a really profitable place to be too. And then over time we started thinking like, well, we should be more scientific about uh, how do we how we price this stuff. And I got a book. It's actually sitting right behind me. It's called Confessions of a Pricing Man. I haven't read it yet. I've been meaning to read it for about two years now. I haven't read a page. <laughs> Apparently, it's amazing. But I really started to get into, okay, we really have to think about our pricing, like the science on all this stuff. But through uh, an introduction from a friend, I ended up meeting here in Canada, one of the greatest clothing entrepreneurs of the Jenner. Like he's amazing. He's an older guy. He's built and sold very big brands, at least here in Canada. I don't know if they're huge in, in the States. Um, and he's a very famous entrepreneur here and we were introduced in a, in a restaurant. And I'm talking about this makes me miss restaurants because they're all closed. (laughs) Uh, So sad. And he looked up our website and he liked, he really liked our, our brand and that was so validating and it was so awesome. And he invited us to go out for breakfast with him. So I ended up, going for breakfast with this guy who's probably the greatest mentor that we could ever have. And he was just like willing to answer any questions. And I asked him the question about pricing and how he prices things out because he does sell and has sold a lot of expensive luxury clothing. And he's like, honestly, it's like you're in the grocery business. There's a science to this. You have a team of people. There's so much 
data that is considered it's like the way i've done it and it works for me and it, and it works totally well in clothing is you kind of see what else is out there you look at the product you see how you feel about it you attach a price to it you feel like it's the <laughs> right one that's the right one and like that's exactly how we did it you just <laughs> had to go with your heart and, and hearing it from him made me think that was, like i i said this to people and they're thinking i'm grossly underestimating the importance of pricing and the science behind it. And then I talked to this guy who's built and sold empires. He's a massively influential and successful entrepreneur. And he was exactly there with me. So that's what I'm going to go with. It's like, you have to see what's out there. You have to look at the product. You have to see what it costs you, right? Make sure it's profitable. And then you can pick a price. If it makes sense, yeah. go with it. Yeah, because you, I mean, in theory, you could debate forever <laughs> the price of what the products are going to be. I mean, you could literally spend all the time and keep adjusting and, and everything. And I know one of the people I know, um, Ed Lee from Hello Advisor, he works with a lot of different startups and like pricing strategies with them because it's, it is important in terms of how you kind of look at your business. Um, but you could spend so much time on that. You also may have to make decisions too and move on because I'm sure you have other, other things to focus on with the company too. Yeah, I think, um, I think ultimately if you, we always just flip our thinking to let's just pretend we're the customer on the website, right? Yeah. If, if the shirt was like $10 now our shirts are, are expensive. They're $68 and they're yep. $68 because the first of all, the, the material itself is very, very expensive. That's not a very expensive price value wise. It's a, that's a good deal because it's, it's, it costs a lot to, to, to produce these. If we were to sell them for $10, People that actually knew the material would think this is not real merino wool or it's the worst merino wool ever, right? So, and yeah. then we're going to do $250. We better be one of the most sought after brands that there are that everyone knows. And it's like a huge luxury good. It's like the most premium and we have a reputation. Just think as a customer, like I can go to the site. Our shirts are $68. If I'm on the market for that, I have a feeling that's the that's the right price. I could just feel it as a customer. If I went on, I wouldn't be turned off by that. I would think it's fine because I can also go to other websites and see it's a similar price or it's more expensive or it's cheaper. And you can tell they're like crummier brands. They're like more, you know, Amazon, like mass produced kind of brands. Sure. Uh, just got to think about it from that lens. Just put yourself in the seat of that customer. And, and it's not that hard to make sense of things, you know? Yeah, all, oh, totally. And see prices of things. Yeah, it's like having the empathy, uh, understanding who your customer is and what they're thinking. And Dan, so with this company too, I mean, there's like obviously so many different things you could be working on. Like, what do you think about? How do you view like the future and like what you want to work on next? Like new products, improving current products, expanding. Like, how do you view that with the company? Um, product is enormous. Um, we're, we're at, we've grown a bit. So leadership and strategic planning has become a lot more important. Um, when yeah. it was just me and my two business partners and we're best buds, like we can just, we're being very candid with each other. We can argue all night about stuff and say mean things to each other, but we're, we've been lifelong best friends, so it's fine. But establishing the core values through our, our company with the growing team, it matters uh, more than it ever did. Um, always thinking that the well could dry up where we're acquiring new customers. So we have a, a, a strong focus on acquiring new, new inflows of new customers. So for example, we don't do anything really with affiliates right now. So that's one program that I'm really working this quarter on. I'm responsible for it because it could be a huge opportunity for us if we took it seriously. We just haven't focused the energy. So really it's, it's always making sure that we're really, really focused on new product development and improving our current product and making sure that the products we produce are uh, inspected and, and, and the quality control is really, really high because it has to be very high for a, a more expensive product like ours. Then there's the marketing, new marketing channels, but also tending to our marketing channels that have already worked historically. And then it's just growing the company culture, which is every quarter becomes more and more important. But then there's times like now where really it's like, there's like it, coronavirus is like really it, for 
every business is coming out with with battle scars if they survive. So for us, it's like we're equipped to survive this because we're fully e-commerce brand. Um, we seem like it's it's hurting us uh, to be perfectly blunt. This this it sucks, but yeah. we will come out of this uh, stronger. Um, we are scrutinizing more details of our operations. There's a lot of reactive stuff happening right now. And we're trying not to lose sight of like the, uh, all of the other development we were working on prior to coronavirus. So um, you just have to look every week at what you're, where you were, what you were supposed to be getting done. And we're honest with each other about what we did and didn't get done. And we just chug along and we just try to stay a strong team, but it's uh it's going in a good direction, and yeah, I'm just yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. You're saying some. I'm just. I say, I say I just look every week at at, uh, at what our goals for the quarter are, and we try to assign. It's the same thing that we did when we were doing our crowdfunding campaign. Is we know what the end result needs to be, and we give ourselves the full quarter to get there. Sometimes less than the quarter if it really doesn't take that much time, but we assign each week like what or what can we move forward this week, and so if today we do this on Monday, so for next week I know what I was supposed to do for that affiliate thing. We talked about it today, and I have a week to get that done. So we always have this one week rhythm of trying to move things forward, and it's all just a matter of move forward the important things. And also be able to be reactive when times like this and, and recover. Yeah. And that was actually one of the main things I took away from even the last company I was at Clark Toys was I remember by the, by the head person of the company, the founder of the company, Travis, he was saying like, all he wants to do, and this is more in a daily thing, but same type of thing as you is like, all I want to do every day is move the company forward. If I can look back on every day and the company has moved forward in some capacity, then over time we'll get to where we want to get to. It's just like, keep moving forward every single day and that was really what kind of drives the business and that's what grew his business too um just that forward progress every single day and and one thing too with with your business then you've run this for a couple of years now obviously you've grown to multi-million dollar company i mean what have been the biggest challenges of growing the company over the years um coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that, honestly that's the word um you know the biggest challenge of growing the company. Um, I mean, running the company, building the company, anything. I'm just curious as what, what do you think has been kind of the most challenging aspects of it? You know, I think, I think when we first started, we had, it was so much more simple. Like we had like just a few things to work on and we can all put all of our energy in. But now as we're expanding, there's more people, we, there's more things to keep track of. And making sure that everything moves forward with the same level of passion and love to get it done and and that that sort of quality, that, that real care. So like we're we when we started, we were making our two t-shirts, one pair of boxer briefs and one pair of socks, you know? And now we have an 18-month production calendar with all of these different products. Some are so different than what we've made before. So they require new fabric sourcing. Now, when we started, all of us were on everything. So we're going to be all focused on the fabric, but I can't focus just on all my attention on just sourcing that new fabric, dealing with the, the supplier relations, all that stuff. But we're also dealing with, you know, email marketing flows, which is a new thing. The affiliates, Facebook ads is a huge part of our business it requires a lot of attention. There's so many moving parts. So it's, you know, I talked about leadership and core values. It's about having the right people on board that really buy into what we're doing, that really care as much as we do, you know, and maybe they'll never care as much, but they get it. And they, they, they have that, those same core values and, and feeling like they're really on our team. So it's about being able to do more with the same passion, with the same drive to get it done well. And that's hard. That's why like a leadership is a, a big challenge. Um, but we have an amazing team and they, they do amazing. It's just a matter of scale, keeping it scaling and keeping it moving. And like your, you know, your, 
your old boss said, is feeling like every day, each one of those things move forward in a good direction. You can go to bed feeling good that way. It's just more things that we have to move forward now. I think that's the big challenge without it. Yeah. Without going off in the deep end and, you know, overspending or, or making huge financial blunders and you have to know your weaknesses <laughs> and everything. Like, it's like, it all works hand in hand. But I'll tell you something. Going, I keep mentioning this coronavirus thing because it's driving me crazy. But it there, there, there is silver lining because our company has been growing quite steadily. And, you know, we've made financial errors that when you have an e-commerce business like ours, if you misspend a little bit. That might be a dumb use of money, but if you are willing to just accept, hey, we just made a, a stupid investment in something. If you just wait a few days, like the sales come in and then you replenish that cash supply. There's a lot of things we were investing in that all of a sudden are not affordable given the landscape and the uncertainty of what's ahead. So we cut a lot of expenses. Now, we were trying to be very careful. It's like, if we cut this, how much of a loss is this to our business? Are we screwed without this? Or can we sustain in a healthy fashion moving forward without spending this money? If we cut money here, is that going to have that effect too? You know, so what the silver lining from coronavirus is right now is we're a, we, we had the, the privilege of being a little more lazy with spending a month ago. Because yeah. we kind of had really tight projections that we were really good at figuring out how much money was going to come in. So we had all of this overhead that made sense to us. And now all of a sudden our sales are really hit, you know, hope, and it's, it, it should be temporarily. I hope it's temporary. I don't know how long this thing is going to last, but we're in the war room coming out, like just tinkering with everything. So um, even through these hard times, um, the silver lining is, is we're operationally going to be just so much tighter of an organization um, and you have to stay motivated and you have to stay moving forward. So I'm excited to come out the other end of this, uh, <laughs> a better company. Um, I, I'm also excited to come out the other end for every other reason. So I'm sitting yes. here in my apartment going mental. Of course. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's definitely a weird time, but it does force businesses and people in general, just one with businesses being more efficient and figuring out, yeah, who are we? What are we doing? How do we get through this? And then yeah, as people like enjoying yourselves, especially knowing once this does end at some point, we get out of this at some point, like how much better you'll appreciate some of the things in life that maybe took for granted. Uh, I know I'm thinking about some of those things as well right now, but uh, yeah, those are, it's going to be crazy, but it's a long road. Uh, hopefully uh, sooner than later it ends and we can get through this, but <laughs> who knows? One of the, yeah, exactly. One of the last things I'm always wondering about Dan, uh, I'm just always curious on people's kind of how their schedule is and how they, how they run their, their, their life really with their time because time is our most valuable asset. So I'm curious as how, like, how do you manage your day a day? Like what does a day a day, what does an example of an a day, a day look like for you, Dan? Well, you know, I used to, I used to block off time in my calendar for things like there's all the work things I need to get done. So if I needed to make this list of things for it's related to a task I have to do, I'd block the time, but then I'd block in going to the gym, you know, and I block, I'd even block in time to read. And I really had to try to block all the time for all the things that I wanted to get yeah. done. But I found, I found myself missing a lot of them moving. You know, I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I have to run right now to the store for, randomly so i i'll move that building that list that i needed to do out to tomorrow or later and then i move it and i found i wasn't for me i wasn't regimented enough to like really do that to do it well so what yeah. i've done recently is i just i got this app called way of life and it's just a habit tracking app and i just put all the things that i want to get done in the day like every day into that. So, so I'll give you a few examples. So I do have reading for 30 minutes and I'm studying Mandarin right now. I want to do it every day, study Mandarin. I also meditate. I have two meditations a day and I've exercise in. So those are all the things that are not work related, right? I don't yeah. care when I do them, but I have them in the app and I'm not doing all of them every day. But then I have every day we have a morning huddle with the team. So I show up to the morning huddle prepared. That's a habit that I need to have every day. Um, I have, I end my day with the number one priority of what I want to get done the next day. 
that's a habit. And then doing that habit, I mean, that priority from the previous day is a thing that I need to check off. So every day, sometimes I have some things blocked off because, you know, like this podcast, for example, it's scheduled to a time. Or if I really want to carve out time to do some serious work, I'll put it in my calendar. But aside from that, I don't put things like work out in my calendar anymore. I, I just try to leave my calendar open and I live in this app. Like I, I, I wake up every day and I do my first meditation and I like checking that off in the app. Like it's like starting the day with a win. So it motivates me to start with that thing. And then I get started my work day. I know what my top priority is. I go to my huddle. I just try to put as many check marks in this habit app as possible. And then my day feels like it's completely, it's like flexible. Like I can kind of do it my own way. Like I still haven't worked out today. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I do want to put that check in. So I have to do homework <laughs> right now. It's not that hard. I'll go to my TV. I'll throw on a YouTube workout, like a 20 minute thing. If I don't have a lot of time, I'll just do something yeah. on the at 20 minutes, body weight exercise. I don't have it scheduled. I'm just like, I'm all about the daily rituals, the daily habits, and just do them in whatever order you can schedule the things that really should be scheduled. And I try to sort of keep it at that. I love it. There's so many ways to go about it. And that's why I always ask people because I am curious as to how people work. And actually, you reminded me, there is a book called literally Daily Rituals. I don't know if you've ever have read it. But yeah, it's I've kind heard of, of it. And then there's yeah, another, really, when I told really people good. about this too, there's another book that comes up called Atomic Habits. I haven't read it, but they said it's kind of similar to that. It's not about, it's like, it's all about like you have to know what habits you want to have daily and i don't know i think it's something similar to what i was talking about yeah i've actually read both of those and atomic habits is definitely yeah obviously focusing more on the habits themselves um the thing about daily rituals that book is pretty interesting just looking at a variety of people and kind of going through kind of their their schedules their habits how they worked how they operated which is just really fascinating uh with some very famous people from the past so that's something i always have told people about is just kind of an interesting book and thinking about how you operate and how you manage your time and decide where to spend your time. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of echo the same things you mentioned with like, like meditating, same thing with me. I use insight timer every morning workout just has to get done every day. I don't know when it's just typically in the morning, but just has to get done. I'm learning French right now. So like that's, I use Duolingo for that. So I just do a little bit every day for that. It is nice to have those check boxes to just kind of get some of those non-business things that you still want to get in to like have a good life um, yeah. every day. And so that's, that's important as well for people building companies, I think. Yeah, they're super important. To, you have to be more, if you're all about business, I think that you're not going to be your best in the business. Yeah, I agree completely. And Dan, where can people go to learn more about uh, the business and everything you're working on? If you just go on Google, type Unbound Merino, or you know, we're on Instagram at Unbound Merino. Um, yeah, you can, you can find us there. Awesome. I'll be sure to link everything up at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. No, it was awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.